Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. All right, as we begin today's broadcast, let me give you a quick reminder that about 40 minutes from right now, 40 minutes from right now, we're going to make a big announcement, something I'm very excited about, and we're going to have a special guest on the show. And you may find out why those are related here coming up. But about 40 minutes from right now, I've got a fun, big announcement to make. Very proud to make that. And we'll welcome on a special guest to today's show. So that's a cool surprise. It takes place about 40 minutes from right now. Before that, though, I'm going to be as confusing as possible, seemingly, for like 30 seconds here. And I'm going to try not to confuse you too much. But most importantly, I'm going to try not to confuse myself because, as you're probably aware, having listened to this show maybe for a long time, I'm not always the most difficult person to confuse. I can get confused easily. So I'm going to try not to do that here right now. How many of you have ever been involved in like sort of strategy and planning for anything, right? When you're kind of either trying to come up with a game plan for a sports team or kind of come up for the business plan, whatever else, you may have heard it said that you have kind of like a collection of sometimes you have known knowns. There are things you know you know. You have known unknowns. There are things you know you don't know. And ultimately, you may even have some like unknown unknowns. There are some things that are totally mysterious. You couldn't have planned for them at all. You can't foresee them taking place. Uh, but you could be forced to deal with. Well, in college football, we've certainly had our uh, share of unknown unknowns. Think about the 2020 season. That was certainly an example of that. There are also some known unknowns. We know that there are some things that we don't know. For instance, a sport like college football, a league like the SEC, as physical and tough as it is, there's going to be a Georgia player who gets hurt at some point in time. There may be a couple of Georgia players who get hurt at some point in time. We know it's going to happen. We can't necessarily know who it's going to be, but we just sort of know that's going to take place. That is a known unknown. Does that make sense? All right, so for about you know next couple of minutes here, I want to focus in on another part of that same idea. I want to focus on the known knowns for Georgia here this year. The things that we know that we know, the things that we are certain of for Georgia, because in a roundabout way, I would believe this, that the bedrock for being a successful team, the bedrock for being a championship contender is to have a long list of things that you know that you know, or a very solid list of things that you know that you know. And for Georgia, maybe they've got as many of those as they should have, and maybe they don't. But here are the things that I think we know we can know about UGA, that Georgia has two very important leaders on its roster one of those is on offense and one of those on defense and for the purpose of this conversation when i say leader i don't mean like vocal leader rah rah guy because honestly the most vocal rah rah leaders in the georgia team are not the two guys i'm about to mention when i say leader i mean ball in their hand game on the line or whatever the defensive version of that is i mean the guy expected to make the biggest play for georgia when it matters most and i think that george is actually in a pretty good spot with its known knowns for the upcoming season big name on offense big name on defense and my kind of origin story for this topic here today is i saw where espn.com put out its list of preseason all americans and george has got a dude on defense and george is going to do on offense and you better believe these are the two dudes that george is building its entire team around here this season jalen carter of course is that guy on defense that's an espn all american preseason guy for the Georgia defense. And when you read the write-up, and I'll maybe I'll put a link to this when I post the show it later on at dognation.com, I will. 
one of the things that the ESPN writer who's kind of compiling all this says is, hey, on a defense a year ago that had three players taking the first 28 picks in the NFL draft on the defensive line, at times Jalen Carter may have been the most impressive of them. Now, listen, those of us who've been sports fans for a long time, we've been hearing this kind of stuff forever. This idea of, well, you lost a lot, but the guy who's there may have been the best of the bunch. And that almost always seems like an excessive degree of hype. That almost always seems like the kind of thing you're supposed to say because it just sort of sounds like a good story. But here's the thing to understand. And Georgia fans know this, the sort of folks outside the bubble of dog nation. They may not know this as well as they should as well as they should. Is that level of praise for Jalen Carter? That level of interest in Jalen Carter as this ultra-talented player, even among a group of ultra-talented defensive linemen, that didn't just start. That conversation didn't just begin because of the guys who left, that it was going on a year ago while all those guys were still here. In fact, let me let you hear something for a moment. This is going back to prior to the 2021 season. The guy who's about to speak here is Trayvon Walker. This is the guy who would eventually become the number one overall pick off last year's Georgia defense. But listen to prior to the start of last season, how enamored Carter, I should say that Walker was with the talent of Jalen Carter. So it's not a Johnny come lately conversation that Jalen Carter may have been the, you know, the best of the bunch of those Georgia defensive linemen from a year ago. Even the guy who became number one overall was pretty impressed with what Jalen Carter was bringing to the table. This Trayvon Walker from last summer. Jalen has been out there with me a lot. He's growing tremendously as a player, learning the scheme of the defense, just growing up. And you can tell that he's really learning how to play the game of football at a collegiate level. Growing up, learning how to play the game at a collegiate level, who would deny that's exactly what he did a season ago? So much so that now no longer in the shadow of Trayvon and Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt, Now, Jalen Carter gets a chance to truly show what he's all about and demonstrate what the best version of himself is. Well, it just so happens that earlier this summer, uh, Georgia co-defensive coordinator Glenn Schumann was asked about that. Hey, what does the best of Jalen Carter look like? The guy that ESPN names as a preseason All-American. And Schumann went into some detail then about exactly what the next step for Carter's development would be. This is the Georgia co-DC from a couple of weeks ago. I think the best version of anyone, right, is somebody who plays. When you play defensive football, you have to, you know, play at a certain level in terms of your effort, right, and toughness, your mentality, uh, your competitive edge, right. So, the best version for him, anyone else in the front, anyone else in the defense, would be those traits, playing as hard as you possibly can with the toughness required, um, and and competing, right. You got to win your battles, right, and that's what we'll expect of all our guys, and especially him. So I think that's an interesting description there from Schumann about what the best of Jalen Carter might look like. However, there's one thing that Schumann didn't say there that he probably could have. That you also have a chance to be so good you make the job of the other defensive linemen around you easier or the linebackers that play behind you, the defensive backs that play behind that. That if Jalen Carter goes out there and kind of gives you sort of the top-end performance as projected by an ESPN preseason All-American, then all of a sudden the job for everybody else defensively gets a little easier. And the other guys on this defense sort of already seem to know that. I thought that Zion Logue the other day, who, by the way, I also think is a very important player on this Georgia defense here this season, but I thought that Zion Logue the other day had a great take on all of this about, hey, when you're working next to a guy like Jalen Carter, what kind of pressure does that take off of you and how much of an opportunity does that create for you? I thought Logue gave a great answer to that the other day. Let me let you hear uh, Zion on that topic. 
I mean, I don't even think he knows. I think he's just, just being him, just like being that strong enforcer. Like he's not going to be blocking. He's not going to want you to block him. He don't want you to touch him. So whenever he can quick swim you or get his, get you off of him, I think that's when he's that's the, he's when he's at his best. Does it make your job easier having played beside him, knowing the attention he's probably going to get? I think we piggyback off each other. I think it like makes both of us make both of our jobs easier because we know where we need to be. We know what we got to do. So we can just look at each other and be like, hey, we got to do this. We got to do that. So I think it kind of plays both hands. So the point here on all this when it comes to Jalen Carter is that's a known known for the dogs in a year in which, ah, UGA lost so much defensively. They didn't lose everything. You've got a guy that earned the kind of praise from the eventual number one overall pick like Carter did last year. You've got a guy that Zion Logue seemingly is sort of salivating for the chance to play alongside. And you've got a guy like Glenn Schumann giving a pretty sober assessment of, of exactly how valuable he can be. That's a known known for UJ here this season. And the one thing that I've told you as a Georgia fan that you should not in any way do is do not concede the notion that Will Anderson Jr. from Alabama is definitely the best defensive player in the country this year. He may very well be, and he probably was last year. He's a terrific player. I'm not going to say a bad word about Anderson. But in terms of the overall contribution to a team, don't concede the idea that Carter is destined to be less than whatever Anderson might happen to be for UGA. That's not quite the case. That Carter starts off this year in 2022 as just as an important player for Georgia as a guy like Anderson might be for Alabama, and who knows where they rank by the end of the year. But in terms of overall value, what Carter brings to Georgia that we know of is very similar to what a guy like Will Anderson Jr. brings to the Alabama Crimson Tide. But then there's this on the offensive side of the ball. Georgia's guy that's an ESPN preseason All-American on the offensive side of the ball is tight end Brock Bowers. When you see him listed there, and he's listed alongside Jordan Addison, the wide receiver at USC. He's listed alongside the latest sort of great Ohio State wide receiver. Uh, He's listed you know, alongside quarterback Bryce Young, won the Heisman Trophy. I think there's this sense that well it's good that Bauer's name is right there but somehow he's a lesser player than these other guys because he's only a tight end and they're wide receivers they're quarterbacks and they have a chance to be far more impactful than a guy like Bowers has to be who is also one of those preseason ESPN all-american type guys but based on what Bowers did a year ago let's not forget as a true freshman as a true freshman based on what Bowers did a year ago I think that whatever ceiling you want to put on his potential growth here in year two, I think you're in danger of possibly putting it too low based on everything that he showed you a year ago. In fact, let's go back to the last fall and use Kirby Smart in his own words, talking about how remarkable it was from Smart's perspective that Brock was doing all the things that he was doing as a freshman in a league like the SEC, where it's not easy to be a freshman breakout star. This is great from Kirby from last fall. Take a listen to this. It's rare to me to see a tight end and, uh, and, and and do the things he's done uh, as a freshman. I think we're going to see it more and more with these kids coming mid-year because, you know, it helped Brock to get here and get started like he did and get that um, that time under his belt. And uh, just no moment's been too big for him. I mean, he's he, – I mean, going back to the Clemson game, it was just like another game to him. And we knew from that game when he started out catching it, running after the catch, I mean, he makes the plays that – um, this guy's going to be a weapon, but I'm trying. I can't think of any. You know, been some really, really talented freshmen in uh, in our conference, but um, just at that position, it's kind of unique. 
So I think that's really cool to hear the way in which Georgia sort of figured out that even prior to that Clemson game, by the way, uh, nice work on video there to see some of those highlights from that Clemson game in photo form uh, when he kind of had that breakout moment against the Clemson Tigers and what Kirby said he learned about him going into that game. Ironically, we also heard from Bowers the other day on being told that he was going to be asked to step up and kind of be Georgia's first tight end on the field and ultimately leading receiver in his first college game. Kind of what that feeling was like for him. Bowers gave you some good stuff on, the, on that the other day. Here's Brock on that topic. I was just kind of out there doing my thing every day, just uh, working hard. And, uh, I didn't really expect much during fall camp last year. It just kind of all happened, happened pretty fast. Yeah. In the first game in the locker room uh, against Clemson, uh, Hartley came up to me and he was like, he's like, oh, you're taking the first, the first, uh, the first play. I'm like, all right, guess, guess ready to roll. So he was told prior to the game, you're out there for the first snap. You're going to be on the field for that. He ultimately was Georgia's leading receiver there that day, and the rest was history. And, Michael, I was going to play a clip from Nick Saban, but let's just uh, drop that. We don't need to do that right now. I just want to kind of simply summarize what it was that Saban also said that he had seen from Brock Bowers himself, which was like he's a great player. This is a great player regardless of position. And when you look at the other guys that he's kind of mentioned alongside with, as I said before, Look at a guy like Jordan Addison at USC. So much more hype, so much more attention, and it's with good reason to understand that. Last year, Addison had 17 touchdown catches, but Brock Bowers had 13. Like Brock Bowers, in terms of the impact on the Georgia offense, isn't really any less than what a guy like Addison's impact would be, whether it's at playing at Pitt, where he did a year ago, or playing at USC, where he is right now. And you compare him to like Jackson Smith and uh, Nick Jibba, the uh, uh, wide receiver from Ohio State, he had far more touchdown catch than he had a year ago. And the other receivers who were in that room for the Buckeyes, uh, many touchdowns a year ago as Chris Olave did, more touchdowns a year ago than Garrett Wilson did. That's the impact that Brock Bowers was making so once again as i've been telling you now for quite some time that bowers is one of the known knowns for georgia he has the potential to be as dynamic as any offensive player in the country despite the fact that he plays a position like tight end which historically has not been that kind of position the kind of position that creates that kind of role but we're in a new age now as kirby smart said a moment ago tight ends are changing bowers at the forefront of that change and to me he's just as dynamic an offensive weapon as anybody has at any spot so when you think about what georgia is for the upcoming season there are a lot of things we don't know we don't know how certain position battles are going to be resolved. We don't know who might get hurt somewhere along the way. And who knows what other surprise may be kind of thrown at our way as fans as we watch our team play. All of that could still be somewhat mysterious. But there are a couple of things that we do know. Georgia has one of the very best defensive players in the entire country in Jalen Carter. That's the building block for that side of the ball. Brock Bowers is the version of that for the offense there as well. And honestly, that's a pretty good place to start towards trying to remake a championship roster once again for 2022. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Meriwether and Tharp. And glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960. The ref are available as a podcast wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Just happy to have you on board for all of that. And a huge thanks to our friends from Merriweather and Tharp for being with us here as well. Of course, if you're watching a video, you see that Dog Nation Duck Hunt logo right there on the uh, front of the desk here today. And I'll remind you that our friends at Merriweather and Tharp, big part of our Dog Nation Duck Hunt tailgate coming up next Saturday. Hopefully, you've got a chance to get your tickets for that there too. 
But one way or another, we're going to be having a great time. Our friends from Merriweather and Tharp are going to be with us there for that. Also, though, sometimes in life, the things aren't quite so much fun, and they're not quite as cool as college football tailgates. I do get that. Maybe you don't really quite feel like doing that right now. And Merriweather and Tharp understands that there, too, because you may be going through a divorce. And in the audience the size of ours, we talk about tens upon tens of thousands of people who tune in each and every day. Statistically speaking, they're just a large number of you who've either experienced this before. You might experience this sometime in the future. Uh, you may be kind of feeling like you're about to go through it right now. And that's a tough thing. And I can't quite like make it go away for you. I, I can't make that disappear. I can't wave a magic wand here. But what I can do is give you a strong recommendation. That is hire Meriwether and Tharp to be your advocate to walk with you through this because doesn't it kind of feel good to have somebody who's going through it with you and that's what Meriwether and Tharp will be one of their attorneys their team of folks there going through this with you helping point you towards a much happier future than maybe the current present that you're dealing with right now so I'm going to invite you to check out their website. It's the Atlantadivorceteam.com. Browse through the free resources, blog posts, podcasts, things like that. Come up with a plan. It's important to have a plan. And Meriwether and Tharp can help you create that plan that makes sense for you, that's specific to your circumstances. Have the free initial consultation with one of their attorneys. And then, as I said, make the decision to hire Meriwether and Tharp to handle your divorce situation. It's the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com for more on that. The AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. Quick reminder that we're, you know, 20 ish so minutes, maybe 25 minutes away from a big announcement and a fun special guest on the program here today. We'll look forward to doing that. Also, our good friend Terrence Edwards, as always, here on Thursdays coming up as a part of a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. Don't forget, we got a great event at Marlowe's a week from now, too. We'll tell you more about that here coming up in a moment. I don't know if you can tell. But we have a lot going on here around Dog Nation here right now. So we're very excited about all of it and very excited about doing Around the Dog House here right now, presented today by ServePro. And we're doing a cool new thing at DogNation.com. Now, I don't write a ton at DogNation.com, and part of that's because I can barely read. But when I do get a chance to write, I always really enjoy that. They're, not, they're kind enough to let me do that from time to time. And one of the things that they're letting me write here right now is we're all taking turns on a brand new kind of like Q&A feature, I guess you'd call it that, questions and answers. Uh, we're calling it Give Me Five, or basically it's five questions and you answer the questions. You try to give the best answer you possibly can. I really got some great questions. I, I asked for some questions a little earlier this week. I got some great ones. And I thought, well, you know, some of these are so good that if I don't have room for all of them there at DogNation.com, maybe I can bring a couple of these onto the show and kind of just find a way to try to answer as many of these questions as I can. And who knows, I'll probably end up squeezing in more than five uh, questions to my to my uh, Gimme Five even there as well. I'm not always the most compliant person in the world. But the point here is I wanted to address one of these questions really quick at a, a part of Around the Doghouse presented by ServPro because I think it's a really good one. Let me show you this on the screen. Um, this is what somebody asked. This is Dustin, uh, who goes by a guy named Dustin on Twitter, which is kind of a funny handle. He says, what's the biggest obstacle of repeating for Georgia outside of Alabama? Isn't that a great question? That it's easy to understand, okay, well, you got the Alabama Crimson Tide. It's a team you split with a year ago. It's a team that in previous matchups, road trip in 2020, SEC title game in 2018, national championship game at the end of the 2017 season, that Alabama has proven to be a very big stumbling block for UGA. So if you assume that's true again here this year, besides that, what else is there? And I, I, I wanted to give a really good answer to this question. I think it's a really good question. And here's the answer I've kind of come up with. 
I don't believe it's any specific individual team. I, I, I've told you before, I don't think Oregon's good enough to play Georgia close. I just simply don't. There are teams that could play Georgia's clo- Georgia close, but in the circumstances that Georgia's going to find itself next Saturday, I don't believe that Oregon's one of those teams. I also don't believe that any of Georgia's regular season opponents are likely to play it close. Now, that could be that you may be surprised in a game and a road trip ends up being a little bit of a house of horrors and you have to sort of escape with the win. College football kind of has a way of providing that to you from time to time. But ultimately, I, I don't know that I necessarily see a road game that's all that big of a like or should say a regular season game that's all that big of a likely obstacle for UGA. So this is the answer that I've kind of come up with. And if you have a better answer, send it to me at Dog Nation Daily and we'll see if we can keep this conversation going. That's Dog Nation Daily on Twitter, of course. I think the biggest obstacle to UGA right now is the perception that it's less than Alabama and Ohio State. When you see such unanimous agreement in all of the way too early preseason rankings, the official preseason polls that have just come out, AP and coaches poll, when everybody seems unanimous in their agreement that Georgia is behind Alabama and Ohio State, there is a little bit of a perception problem there. So it seems likely that if Ohio State keeps winning, it'll stay ahead of UGA. And Alabama, who legitimately is a true obstacle to Georgia, that these two teams split a year ago, it's quite possible that in two matchups this year they could split again. This is a fair fight, even matchup, and you can't be guaranteed of beating a team like this twice because that's how good Alabama is. So for Georgia, who kind of starts the year off in sort of a perception disadvantage of only third-best team in the country, and I use air quotes around only, but only third-best team in the country, I think you have to perform in such a way this year that makes it obvious that you're going to be including the college football playoff regardless of what happens in December or any other point in time you know after that that means if you have a chance to kind of beat up on Oregon and hold them to a low score total you absolutely go out there and finish the job there on that regular season games the way that Georgia kind of marched through the regular season just laying waste to every opponent you sort of need to do that again here this year you can't mess around you can't play around you can't be disinterested you can't be bored you can't be biding time waiting for December you've probably got to play most of your regular season games with a level of focus because here's what we know and this is human nature there isn't an anti-UGA bias but there is an anti-boredom bias that exists the powers that be would love there to be a little shakeup in who makes the college football playoff. So if you had a reason to exclude Georgia, the powers that be might take that reason. They might take that opportunity. Once again, it's not a conspiracy. They're not anti-UGA. They simply want college football to be more interesting than a sport where you can easily name the four playoff teams prior to the year beginning. So Georgia sort of fights against that human nature to kind of see flaws in UGA because it would be boring to have a repeat champion. And therefore, you have to remove all doubt. You have to play in such a way that doesn't leave any discussion for who should be in the playoff georgia did that a year ago pretty much everybody said going into the sec title game that no matter what both these teams would be in the playoff that is what occurred and ultimately georgia won the national championship it might have to travel a a similar path again here this year but establishing the correct perception in order for that to be true is going to take some work during the regular season that is around the doghouse it's presented today by our friends at serve pro and listen georgia's got a big job to do here this year cleaning up maybe uh reputation after losing so much uh, talent from a year ago but you're clean up wherever you are at your home at your business your commercial real estate uh, place 
your cleanup may be even more substantial than that. You may have dealt with a fire. You may have dealt with some water damage. You may have some real serious cleanup work that needs to be done. And if that's the case, you want the folks at ServPro on the job because their restoration specialists can get it all put back together for you, all clean back up and make it look like it never even happened. That's what ServPro is all about. Plus, all of their franchises are independently owned and operated. Now, why does that matter? Well, let me tell you why it matters. If you've got a big cleanup, especially for your house where you live or your business where you make your living, well, you've got a lot of stake in the outcome on that. And if you're dealing with a, a franchisee that that you know owns their own Surpro franchise, they've got just as much of a stake in that outcome as you do because satisfied customers is how they make their living. So that's what it's all about when it comes to ServPro. Restoration specialists doing great cleanup work for you. And you can find out more by checking out ServPro.com. That's S-E-R-V, ServPro.com, and take care of all of that here today. All right, so a lot to do for us as it relates to these Georgia Bulldogs. Let's get ready to get rolling with that right now. We do it every single Thursday. It's a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. Let's welcome Terrence Edwards here to our program right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com Insider. We will say hello to Terrence Edwards here on uh, Dog Nation Daily in our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. And, of course, we're looking forward to being at Marlowe's next Thursday. We'll tell you more about that here coming up in a moment. But, Terrence, I thought about you a little bit this uh, past week. When we heard from Kirby Smart the other day. He gave what I thought was a pretty positive update on Eric Gilbert. And, you know, we've obviously leaned on your relationship with Gilbert a lot during the offseason. But here we are getting close to the start of the year. And it seems like, you know, Gilbert's kind of where he needs to be in terms of, you know, being a big part of the story here this year. I know he's going to be sporting a brand new jersey number, which is kind of cool. But um, how did you feel about what you heard from Kirby the other day on Eric and kind of where things stand with Gilbert as he gets ready to make a much-anticipated return to the football field? Very positive. You know, I uh, was very happy that he was more concerned about Eric's mental health than his football ability. Uh, we all know that his football ability is is on point, but we just need the team to make sure the young man Milton's state of mind is is uh, sharp, just like we want his football abilities to be sharp. It's one of those things, uh, Terrence, where Kirby's probably actually a little bit different than some people may assume that he is because he's obviously a tough, hard-driving guy. But the fact of the matter is he does seem to get that part of it, doesn't he? I mean, he does seem to understand the – you know, the mental challenges that whether it be Gilbert or anybody else that we're all dealing with, he seems to get like the team chemistry part of this and, the you know, the the sort of spiritual development of the player part of this. You know, as much as he kind of comes across this sort of like, you know, hard driving, run it in the red type guy, the sort of people part of football actually seems to come pretty naturally for him as a coach yourself. Do you see that when you look at Kirby? I think so. I mean, one of the first things that, Kirby and I spoke about when it was a possibility that Eric can go to EGA. It's just more about let's get the young man right. Uh, we know football would take care of itself, but he's more concerned about Eric the, the person and not Eric the football player. So he made a conscious effort to stand behind the young man and help him uh, off the field because he knows that the challenge that he has is, is undeniable, but he's also really worried about the young man mentally. So that's why, uh, you know, Kirby and the Georgia did everything they, they could to help the young man become who he is today. And he still has a, I should say, a, a rough road. When I mean a rough road, you know, every day is a challenge. It, it's a different challenge. And uh, he's fighting it. He's fighting that every day just like he's attacking 
school work. He's attacking practice. He's attacking his, his mental health just as well as he's attacking every aspect of his life. Speaking of coaches, I saw where ESPN the other day had some nice things to say about Brian McClendon as kind of a coach on the rise, future head coach, and obviously he's back here at UGA as wide receivers coach. That's a position that you know well, and you know McClendon well too. Like, what do you think that Georgia gets from McClendon at this stage of his career? One of those guys that could be on his way to something else bigger sooner rather than later, but but here at UGA and looking to make an impact with these wide receivers, how valuable do you think a guy like McClendon can be as we get ready to start this season for the Dogs? I mean, when you got two guys that's very respected as uh, Kirby and as B-Mac, and you think about those are two Georgia guys, so it, this is special for them. So they're going to do everything in their power to make their school uh, the best it could be. And, and, and you know, we all know B-Mac is a rising star in the ranks. Uh, but the thing is that I've heard from the players that he brings respect and, and leadership to that room. Uh, so that's the biggest thing. He, he commands that room at those players respect him. They understand that uh, in the meeting rooms, in the weight room, on the field, you know, you, you're going to have to hear from Coach B. Mack. He, he respects and has that command from his players. And that's why um, everyone loves him so much. How tough is the job that he's facing right now? I'm not talking about getting ready to play Oregon. I'm talking about kind of trying to figure out. I mean, I've heard some chatter about this behind the scenes about like who your top six guys are. You know, who are the guys that you would take with you on a 70-man travel roster? You know, where is the sort of pecking order of these receivers right now? It seems like, you know, kind of prior to the game prep for Oregon, a lot of this is trying to figure out where your roster sort of shakes out. How tough of a job is that for a guy like McClendon or all the coaches who are sort of going through that at the moment, trying to figure out, you know, like what their true pecking order really is? You know, I, t- I say this all the time to my players. It's not really that tough, in my opinion, because at the end of the day, the players determine the death chart, not the players. Because you're going to go out and if you're doing everything that you are asked to do, uh, the cream will rise to the top. Uh, so it, it's on the players to go out each and every day to attack the day and try to win each day. And then usually the cream will rise. So it, it's not about how the, the coaches uh, set the depth chart. The players set the depth chart. Uh, but how they practice, how they attack the meetings, schoolwork, all aspects of being a college student. So um, the cream will rise, but I think the depth that people are not giving this Georgia team enough credit for at that position. We have some guys, in my opinion, to go out there and make some plays. Are they elite? No. Or are they very good college football players that's going to help and help us win games? Yes. So I, I like the room. Uh, Bima has a – and that staff has a uh, – a tough task to see who's going to be the top six, but the top six usually shakes itself out by their performances. I want to lean on your experience as a former player here in a moment. Before that, though, let me remind folks, this is our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update with Terrence Edwards here right now, and we are really excited about one week from tonight being at Marlowe's Tavern in Dunwoody for our great season kickoff event there. And I want to give you all the details about this. Uh, It's September 1st, 6 p.m., 1317 Dunwoody Village Parkway. That's the address, 1317 Dunwoody Village Parkway for a huge event to kick off the season at Marlowe's Tavern. Got all kinds of fun stuff going down for all that. Some of that you'll be hearing more about. But for now, just know Thursday, September 1st, 6 p.m. for the big event at Marlowe's in Dunwoody, 1317 Dunwoody Village Parkway. 
Parkway. Terrence, let me ask you this. You're obviously a player and or have been a player and you know the grind that it takes on your body and you get sometimes very serious injuries that may keep you out for a long time, but sometimes it's sort of like the minor nagging things that just make it hard to be at your best or maybe it takes you off the practice field more often than you want to be. It seems like Kendall Milton is dealing with some of that, you know, a hamstring issue that's kept him off the field for the last two Saturday scrimmages, which are obviously very important in terms of, you know, getting ready for the upcoming season. You know, for those of us who haven't kind of been in that role of, you know, taking care of your body and trying to get rid of a nagging thing like this, you know, what is Milton able to do on that, if anything? Is this one of those deals where you sort of have to hope it kind of loosens up and you're able to kind of go out there and do it? Or are there things a player in this spot can do to kind of help make that recovery a little easier? We know they go get treatment, but specifically sort of what does that mean in terms of trying to work your way back to a football field as a former player? Man, it's tough, but I think, you know, Ron Corson and the athletic training do a great job getting these players ready, keeping the players ready. Um, but in his case, he just had these small nagging injuries that I think that have limited him to what his real potential can be. And it's an old saying in football, I mean, if, if you walk into the season unhealthy, you're going you're gonna to limp out the season unhealthy. So it's not a, a good look. Uh, for any player to go into the season with small nagging injuries because those injuries are not going to get uh, any better throughout the season because you're going to be playing. But he just got to continue to, to stretch, do everything in his power to continue to get those muscles and limbs strong, the strength and conditioning staff as well um, plays a part in, into this. And now he's just, just hope and pray that, you know, that nothing else happens. But I don't want to say it's bad luck, but there's some things that, I don't know. He, he's a big man and have a lot of muscles, and that also tends to lead to a lot of bumps and bruises as well, pulls. So just hopefully, you know, Ron and his staff get the young man healthy enough to go and be the best version of himself because I think the Kilman Milton is, is very immensely talented. He's a big kid with vision and power, and we're going to need his running ability to get where we need to go. I think you're right about that, Terrence. I think that's well said. Hey, before we let you go here, I know you said last week that right now, you know, you want guys focused on their high school seasons and you're kind of focused on your season there at Milton, but still doing some uh, work there on the weekends with the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. So for folks who want to get more of that and, you know, just or just even connect with you online and kind of find out about some of the things you got going on, how can they connect with you on social media? Right now, I'm going to let you know where I'm at right now. Let all the fans that I take my time out. Uh, the military program, we're playing up in Ohio this weekend. Wow. So I'm right now at, at the uh, Football Hall of Fame in Canton. Are you serious? I had an opportunity. Yes, I'm here right now. I had an opportunity to see Champ Buff, uh, Richard Seymour's uh, locker, and all his new assignments. So I take my time out to get away from it. But actually, at this point, I'm in Canton, Ohio, at the Football Hall of Fame. So, uh yeah, the Milton program, man, we're we're doing big things right now. I tell you what, that's an amazing trip right there. I've never been before. Is this your first time to be in Canada for the Pro Football Hall of Fame? My, my, my first time, man. It's an amazing experience. Well, listen, make sure you post some pictures of that because I'd love to see them. That's uh, really good stuff. Well, have a great time doing all of that. We'll check you out online at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy, and we will look forward to talking to you back here as a part of our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update again very soon. Thank you. Good stuff there from Terrence Edwards. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, so good stuff there from Terrence Edwards. Appreciate him being a part of what we're doing here today. Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update, always a big part of that each and every Thursday. And don't forget, as I've been saying, we're about seven minutes away now 
from big announcement, special guest. So we're going to do that here coming up in a few minutes. And it might just tie into what we were just talking about there with Terrence, the big event coming up at Marlowe's Tavern next Thursday. Am I giving you enough hints on all of this? Uh, we're a few minutes away from doing all of that. We will get ready to do that then. So that's on the way here coming up. Before that, though, let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And before we do that, let me just also say this there as well. One of the things I was going to talk to Terrence about, we just were running out of time, was a little bit. Another kind of wide receiver note to be aware of, Anthony Evans, receiver out of Converse, Texas, a four-star wide receiver out of the state of Texas. He's making a commitment announcement tomorrow. We're going to get a little bit of a preview with Terrence there on that. We just sort of ran out of time for that today. So keep your eyes out for Evans, the four-star out of Texas, making a commitment decision tomorrow. Jeff Sintel will be back with us on Friday, and we'll do plenty more of that related to Evans tomorrow. So keep your eye out for the four-star wide receiver. Obviously, George may be on a little bit of a commitment watch tomorrow, so we'll have more on that as we kind of roll into the Friday and the end-of-the-week situation there here around Dog Nation Daily. But for now, cruiser on the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Obviously, a great time to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. Our friend Jessica Slater is going to help you out with that. You can find her online, dreamvacations.com slash Slater, or you can give a call 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. And when you talk to her, here's what I want you to tell her that uh ba said that any royal caribbean cruise vacation i take ought to include a stopover at perfect day coco okay now the truth is is you got all kinds of great itineraries for for uh, royal caribbean maybe you want to go to alaska somewhere like that but for me when i'm searching my royal caribbean cruise vacation that's what i'm always sort of starting with who's going to perfect day coco okay who's giving you that private island experience right there in the bahamas with the chill side and the thrill side tallest water slide in north america you get the chill slide that's kind of got the largest you know freshwater pool in the bahamas i'm talking about this thing is a behemoth and it's so much fun you get the djs going you get all everybody having a great time it's just a great experience and it's a part of the great experience you're going to have when you book your own royal caribbean cruise vacation i got one coming up this winter i got one coming up early 2023 so we're getting ready for ours around here and you better get ready for yours there too we're going to roll through a football season and then we're going to be back on the seas again with royal caribbean i can't wait for that obviously jessica slater from dream vacations helping me out with that so check her out online dreamvacations.com slash jay slater for more on that all right a couple of sec through stories here as we're cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean uh starting with this you saw carnell tate a couple of months ago make a commitment decision to ohio state ohio state very frequently wins with big time wide receivers this no different there on that but there's been some chatter as of late uh about a little bit of buzz here still remaining for Tennessee that seemingly here Tennessee may be getting back into the recruitment for Tate and there's a chance that the Vols could end up flipping Tate away from Ohio State this is one of those things that from a recruiting standpoint and when it comes to the rumors of NIL things like that just to be frank the Tennessee sort of seemingly been on again off again it's like they have the big you know win with Emile with the quarterback and then they kind of go quiet and sort of lay dormant for a while and then so lo and behold they sort of pop up and win again you know it seems like you know they've had a little bit of traction here and there with this class and obviously Tate would be a big win for sure obviously playing in the uh, Josh Heupel offense which is certainly friendly for quarterbacks and wide receivers so keep your eye on Tate and Tennessee here there's been a little bit of buzz i think a lot of this generated from chad simmons from on three i think he kind of had some of this but um it's been kind of on social media and whatnot so keep your eye on tate and maybe a little bit of late action from tennessee as it relates to his recruitment speaking of wide receivers so when nick saban this week was talking about tyler harrell uh harrell is the receiver that 
to Alabama has taken as a transfer from Louisville. Obviously, Jermaine Burton, the more high-profile wide receiver to transfer into the Alabama program. But in the case of Harrell, that's another guy who actually had similar numbers to Burton a year ago uh, transferring in there as well. And I guess Harrell's been a little bit banged up. Saban kind of acknowledged that. And also was somewhat tepid, to just be honest, about the way in which Harrell's kind of worked his way into the situation here in Alabama thus far. Saban didn't say anything bad about him necessarily, but it was one of those things of, hey, we're just going to be working to kind of get him up to speed to sort of be where he needs to be. That's the basic nature of the quote here. I just think this once again serves as a reminder that for all the high profile, uh, you know, for all the high profile, uh, you know, transfers that Alabama has taken, for all the high profile transfers they've kind of brought into the program, it is not obvious how all these guys are going to work. There have been some big questions asked about a guy like uh, Eli Ricks, the defensive back. You know, Saban's not exactly overflowing with praise for the early work on Harrell here, who's obviously been a little bit, you know, banged up. So don't necessarily blame him for it. But this is still an experiment. This is still Nick Saban trying to find out how many different guys from different places can I bring in under the same umbrella and how much team chemistry can I create with them. This is not a given as of yet uh, that this is all going to work out. Maybe some of the words from Saban about Harold kind of serve as a reminder of that. And then one more thing, and then we'll get ready to bring on a, a special guest to make a very big announcement for you. Um Interesting development coming out of Auburn here, where we told you the other day that it seems like at one point in time, it seemed likely that Zach Calzada was the next starting quarterback of the Auburn Tigers. And since then, that story has completely fallen apart. Whether it was ever true seems hard to know now, but it seems like it's probably not true at the moment where it seems like TJ Finley is actually the guy who is going to end up winning that starting quarterback job for the Auburn Tigers. He seems likely to do that. And then some of the other chatter that's coming out as of late is that the other guy who's made a little bit of a push here is Robbie Ashford. Now, Ashford's a little bit of a favorite son there because he's from the state of Alabama's original high school recruit. But it seems like it could be Ashford. It could be uh, Finley. And a guy like Calzada may actually be more of the number three guy right now, at least based on some of the current rumors that exist around there on that. So I wanted to make you aware of that. We're going to make that cruising around the SEC presented by Royal Caribbean. And here on the show, as promised, we're going to get ready to make a special announcement and bring on a special guest. Let me make the special announcement here first. So you know, coming up next Thursday, we're going to be live at the Marlowe's Tavern in Dunwoody for our big season kickoff event. We are so excited about this because we have not been to a Marlowe's Tavern in quite some time, and we're looking forward to being there one week from now on September 1st at 6 p.m., and we're inviting all of you to be there with us, and many of you have said you do plan on being there. Well, guess what? In addition to the entire, you know, collection of dog nation folks we're also going to welcome in a special guest there that day there as well how about former georgia quarterback the beloved figure on this program jake from going to be with us at marlowe's and dunwoody one week from now and not only that jake good enough to join us here on dog nation daily presented by merriweather and tharp here as well first of all jake thank you so much for your time thank you for being on the show here today thank you for being with us at marlowe's tavern next week i cannot tell you how much i'm looking forward to catching up with you again and allowing a lot of georgia fans to come by and say hello to you i really appreciate you making time for us yeah no problem thank you for having me uh yeah uh really look forward to uh marlo's gonna be a great time and uh be fun to see a lot of georgia fans out and, and having a good time and I think we're all curious, you know, obviously we've heard kind of the stories of kind of where you had to watch the national championship game from and kind of your experience there, seeing your alma mater kind of go through all of that. But now that you've had a little time to kind of bask in that moment and see what Georgia did, 
you know, what's it like to think of Georgia as the reigning national champions? Now, I know how much that must mean to you and how much that you enjoyed kind of seeing all that take place here over the course of the last few months. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely crazy to think about. Uh, you know, one, it's a huge blessing, but two, it's, uh, you know, it's a, um, it's a high level of expectations going into uh, this next year. So I uh, look forward to the guys, you know, uh, going out and, and showing the rest of the country um, that they're a, a really good football team again this year and, uh, you know, and hopefully they'll make it back. When you guys got so close in 2017, like one of the things I remember Kirby Smart saying, and he said this of the seniors at the time, but it obviously applies to all of the guys who are on that roster about how, you know, that group of players, including yourself, was kind of a building block for what would come in the future. That's not exactly the words they used, but he said something kind of similar to that, that, you know, that whatever this program becomes, it sort of started with those first couple of teams and obviously that big breakthrough season you were part of there as a freshman. As a player that that did get close to it and sort of laid the foundation for what happened after you left, do you get the sense of that? That do you get that sense of pride that comes from knowing that, hey, you know, we kind of started that culture of winning and eventually passed the baton to guys like this who sort of took it to that next step? Like how much of a sense of pride do you have about the fact that you were a part of a program and a process that built itself and kept on building even after you had uh, moved on to the NFL? Yeah, I mean, you know, for sure. Uh, you know, I think it starts in uh, with buy-in with a really good group of guys who who were one, you know, determined, all had the same goal, and uh, really good football players as well. So, uh, you know, what we were able to put together and, and continue to kind of build on uh, throughout the years, uh, uh, I definitely think it helped a little bit. And um, yeah, just you know, huge congrats to those guys who who finally put it over the top and was able to put together a really good football team and uh, you know, schemed up some good X's and O's and and, and beat a really good team in Alabama. When it comes to uh, the role that Stetson Bennett kind of finds himself in a little bit this year, it kind of reminds me a little bit of you in 2018 when, okay, so as a you know a starter in 2017, you're doing everything for the first time. And you have a very successful year, and obviously George wins the SEC and almost wins the national championship, the thrilling Rose Bowl. But for you, all of that was, hey, first road game, first SEC game, first start overall, which you know comes at Notre Dame, which is kind of a crazy thing to think about. And then in year two, in 2018, all of a sudden, it's not the first time anymore. All of a sudden, now you're sort of doing something for the second time. And I can only imagine having not played the position, but I can only imagine it had to be more comfortable. Now, Bennett started some games in 2020, but ultimately being treated as the starter in 2022, a very different scenario than he had this time a year ago. Based on your own experience as a quarterback, how much more comfortable would you expect a guy like Stetson to be just knowing that he gets to be treated as the starter this year and he doesn't have, I guess, the thought of you know even trying to sort of fight and win that job week after week like how much more comfortable do you think a guy like Stetson can be because of the circumstances that he's now facing yeah you know like you said you know me and Stetson going into that year uh you know there's a lot of firsts going on uh you know but but going into that you know that second year uh there's definitely a lot more comfort but also at the same time there is a new level of expectations a new level of pressure uh to be able to do what you everything you did last year and then more so um, you know, I, I you know, uh, I, it's going to be tough to to top you know what they did last year, but um, I, I think Stetson's doing a good job of, of handling himself in the right way and uh, and leading. And um, you know, we'll we'll see when it comes fall. And uh, you know, it, it's it's it really is. You do have a level of comfort, but you know what comes with it is a lot more expectation. One of the things we all heard stories about is are those like practices leading into the Rose Bowl where. 
you obviously were going on to what was going to be one of the great wins in UGA history, and you were a huge part of that. But one of the things we've also heard is, hey, Stetson sort of playing the Baker Mayfield role and working as the scout team quarterback, that he really made a lot of fans for himself among your fellow teammates because of that. What was it like knowing Stetson kind of back then when he was kind of an unheralded walk-on and a guy that I guess was trying to sort of show what he was all about at practice? What did you learn from him in those moments and those stories that we've kind of all heard second and third hand? What was it like for you to kind of experience those in person? Yeah, I, I, you know, what, what makes Stetson great is, uh, you know, he doesn't change. Stetson, is, is, Stetson today is the same Stetson that he was. Uh, you know, back then practicing for the Rose Bowl week, you know, he, he hasn't changed. You know, one word I would, I would describe Stetson is is unbothered. You know, it, it doesn't matter uh, how good he's playing, how bad he's playing. It doesn't matter. He's unfazed by uh, the outside noise, and, and he's going to uh, beat to the sound of his own drum, and uh, he's going to go out and play football. I think unbothered is a great word because I think you would probably agree that it's one thing to have the talent necessary to succeed, but to have also, I guess, the ability to sort of block out the outside noise and remain unbothered. I think it's probably pretty easy for a lot of folks, even when they are really talented, to become bothered, to become distracted by the fact that even if they're saying good stuff about you, it's probably just weird to have people talking about you all the time. Shows like this, you know, you know, constantly talking about, you know, what you have going on. That's probably pretty different for, you know, young men who not all that long ago were like in high school to have the attention that you get as an SEC quarterback. That's got to be a little bit of a strange life to find yourself in from time to time. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. It's a lot thrown at you real fast. And, um, you know, I think it's a testament, you know, just to, you know, uh, his parents, the way he was raised and, um, you know, being able to handle all of it in a, in a really good way. Um, you know that uh, that benefits not only himself but but others as well. I want to get let you uh, get uh, going with the rest of your day here in a moment. Let me uh, just get a couple quick things before we let you go. You didn't really play in the NIL era, you know that kind of came along after you're done. What we're going to do with yep. you next Thursday at Marlowe's, the kind of thing that you're only experiencing, kind of your post college playing uh, career life. Do you think you would have enjoyed NIL? Would you have enjoyed making these kinds of appearances while you were a player? Is that the kind of thing that would have been too distracting for you? What do you think your life would have been like? had you been a college player a couple of years later and all of a sudden we're seeing your face on billboards and doing all that kind of stuff i guess the money would have been good but how about the experience in and of itself do you think you would have liked the nil world uh you know i, I don't know it's, it's such a such a loaded question and, and you know obviously i didn't have to go through it so there's a whole lot of what ifs in, in this scenario but um you know i you know i, I don't know i, I do think i, I would have uh, benefited greatly uh um, you know, money-wise from it, but I, I do think it, it does come with a lot of distractions, and, um, you know, it's a, it's a different game uh, as far as, you know, the football and the recruiting aspect of it, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot going on, and, and a lot we're still learning about it, so, um, man, really tough to say, and, I, and it's a, a huge what-if scenario. Well, Jake, I tell you, I'm so excited about next Thursday. Marlowe's Tavern is going to be such a great time. Obviously, you've got so many fans here around Dog Nation. They love the moments that you were part of at UGA. They love the stories that you can tell about that. Uh, certainly, they're very proud of what you've kind of gone on to do since then there as well. So thank you so much. Uh, looking forward to it. Thanks for being here here today. And I'll just invite everybody to join us next Thursday. That's September 1st, 6 p.m., 1317 Dunwoody Village Parkway for uh, Jake Fromm with Dog Nation there at the Marlowe's in Dunwoody. Jake, have a great day, and we'll look forward to speaking to you next week. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for having me, and see you there.
Uh, great stuff there from Jake Fromm. What a thrill it is to have him on the program today, and what a thrill it is to have him. That's our special guest. That's our big announcement. Coming up a week from now at the Marlowe's in Dunway, we will welcome in the great former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm, who was a part of one of the most memorable games of all time for UGA, and in 100 years from now, that'll still be true in that Rose Bowl against Oklahoma. And obviously a guy who kind of knows what it takes to be what Stetson Bennett is right now. A quarterback in the spotlight, a quarterback who's dissected and discussed every way you can be. Uh, Jake clearly has a lot of insight on that. And I'll just tell you this really quickly. We'll get ready to wrap up. Talking to Jake, you know, it's hard not to remember that first start. You know, this big event in Notre Dame. We had, at the time, it was the biggest event we'd ever done at Dog Nation. All these people, um, you know, traveling to South Bend and, you know, Jake from right there in the center of all of that. And it's in one hand, it kind of seems like it was yesterday. And on another hand, it kind of seems like it was a million years ago. Just that's just kind of the way that time works from time to time. But here we are all these years later. A lot has happened since then. And uh, Georgia finds itself in a uh, really good spot as Kirby Smart moves into his seventh year and the legacy that Smart's putting together at UGA. Obviously, Jake Fromm is a very big part of that. And so to have him a week from now at the Marlowe's Tavern in Dunwoody is going to be a great experience. And if you were on your way to Marlowe's, you have another reason to be there. And if you're just now hearing about this event, trust me when I tell you, it's going to be one of the most fun things the Dog Nation's done in quite some time. Hanging out with Jake Fromm next Thursday at the Marlowe's Tavern in Dunwoody. I cannot wait to be able to do that. What a great way to finish off today's show. So from a golden shoe standpoint here, uh, let's go ahead and get ready to do that because uh, certainly Jake Fromm had some big moments against those lousy stinking Gators, so we can probably count Jake among the uh, Gator hater faithful here. This takes a little bit of exp- explaining because like, there was this picture for Florida the other day that went like crazy viral. And if you're watching a video, you obviously see this. This is the Florida team picture. And the thing that everybody notices is, is that there are more like people that are not football players than there are football players in this picture. And like one of the tweets about it said when the coaching store has a bogo sale meaning buy one get one off get one free uh basically i mean they just florida's got just too many coaches too many analysts it's just kind of a crazy looking picture because of how much like the support staff overwhelms the players which i don't necessarily have a problem with i will say this as a football team if you're trying to like diminish the role that your players play in your team picture that may not say very much about your players this upcoming season but ultimately i don't really have a problem with the picture necessarily although it's just kind of funny to see so uh, we'll give florida its own golden shoe today for a very odd team picture even so much that billy Napier even had to was asked about it the other day in one of his press conferences but nonetheless we'll make that our golden shoe for today and we'll remind you lousy stinking gators i don't care how many support staffers they have it'd take them all to count up the number of days since they've won a national championship it's been four thousand nine hundred seventy seven days since they have done that and our gator hater countdown how about 65 days from right now dogs back in Jacksonville getting a win once again boy doesn't that sound good to say doesn't it feel good to think about it's our gator hater countdown we'll see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by meriwether and tharp and on the podcast i'm now for the rs andrews podcast cool down glad to have you here as we take your comments we had a little bit of drama a moment ago the fire alarm went off it's always a false alarm uh always a false alarm last time it went off as a false alarm this time it's a false alarm it's always a false alarm uh but nonetheless we had to you know get off the air for our video comment section so we are now back safe and sound and i want to do um I got a pretty good comment from um, our buddy. Uh, he calls himself Studson Bennett on Twitter. He's Manatee Jetpack, who says, we talked yesterday about how Georgia gave up surprisingly a high total of passing plays or 40 or more yards last year. They were 96 in the country. I think it was 11 
if I'm rem- 11 or 12, something like that, total passing plays of 40-plus yards, but it's 96th in the country. I, rem- I rem- remember that part of it. And what uh, Manatee Jetpack asked, which is a fair question, he says, uh, I wonder how many of those were late in the game against second and third stringers, which is entirely possible. I don't have like the full chart of all that. Some of that probably was like the big bust late, uh, and it could have been. But we know that some of those would have come against Alabama in the SEC championship. A couple of those, remember Josh Van against uh, Georgia early in the game you know Georgia won easily against South Carolina but like Van the former Tucker receiver was very tough to deal with there that night and you know there's a chance that maybe Van got one or two of those maybe or at least one of those he had a pretty big game against Georgia in the early stages there but I think the overall point uh, remains true even if a couple of these may have been kind of late game type bust situations with non-starters in the game that there is a little bit of a trade-off in football that you know, teams that really embrace the passing game oftentimes become not quite so good at running the football. They just, you know, they lose the physicality that's required. We saw with like Ohio State and Alabama, especially Ohio State, teams that get way better offensively seem to have a little bit of a regression defensively that the, you know, the two units don't complement each other quite as well anymore. And on, on defense, you can be what Georgia used to be, which was a very stingy i would say conservative defense that hey maybe didn't make too many dynamic plays in the backfield but um but does limit the big plays doesn't give up a lot of yards a lot of port a lot lot of points you know it kind of remains gap sound if you will (laughs) but uh but it's not exactly all that dynamic and the trade-off to that is well if you're not you know if you're not doing that kind of stuff you're also you know you know you're not getting a lot of sacks either along the way with that or you can become the opposite of that, which is, hey, I'm getting a lot of sacks. I'm being very aggressive. But the trade-off for that is I'm going to give up the occasional big play too. And I'd say the best version of defense is the latter example, the kind of defense that understands that it's okay to give up a big play every now and then if you're creating your own big plays on that side of the ball. It's just the best version of defense. Teams that win the national championship almost always have a pretty good pass rush. You know, about 40 or so sacks is a pretty important number when it comes to that. You don't necessarily have to have 40 sacks, but it makes the job a lot easier if you do. And of all the things that you look at defensively, I don't know that there's any more predictive measurement of anything on that side of the ball, more so than how active you are in the backfield, how many times you're getting after the quarterback there on that. So I do think Georgia finding a way to replicate some form of that doesn't have to be the exact same number. Georgia had 49 a year ago. doesn't have to be the exact same number, but it doesn't need to be a huge fall off from that because a huge fall off from that makes this Georgia defense in 2022 look a little bit too much for my take for my taste like some of the defenses in say 2018 or 2019 that were close to being great but maybe just slightly below the 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 true definition of what actual greatness really is but it's a good comment and a great way to kind of wrap things up today as part of our podcast cool down big thanks to rs andrews for making it all possible when you turn to for your air conditioning heating plumbing electric needs they show up on time they do the work that's promised the price that's promised you can trust rs andrews on that today All right, have a great day. We will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. By the way, hope you enjoyed Jake Fromm. I hope you're looking forward to next Thursday with Jake at the Marlowe's in Dunwoody. I hope you enjoy all of that. We will talk to you tomorrow, everybody.